a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the MotorcycleSuperstore.com RacerX podcast. MotorcycleSuperstore.com, they've got everything you need to get out and ride. Over 700 trusted brands, including uh, lots of things that this guy on the phone used at one time or another to uh, to get to the top of the podium. From talking about going riding, bench racing from their latest company rides to the latest parts and gear, they've got it. You go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com, and then you punch in the code PB-PULP16, and you can save on whatever you buy at the MotorcycleSuperstore.com. And, of course, uh, the Jimmy Albertson team of Motorcycle Superstore Suzuki. You have uh, uh, Jimmy Albertson, Josh Osby, Kyle Cunningham. And uh, we'll see what they're going to do in uh, 2017 with the folks uh, with help from the folks at Superstore. And, of course, Fox Racing, Foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer to get everything that they got. Ryan Dungey just, run, just won the SMX Cup wearing Fox gear. So... Why not? If your dealer doesn't carry Fox Racing, uh, they're the global innovation leader in motocross racewear, and you should go to another dealer, foxhead.com. All right, with me on the line, he uh, freshly retired from the sport, uh, got a new job at Honda, though. He's going to be around a lot, and uh, certainly provided us with a lot of great racing memories over the year. Ten times this man has finished top three in the points at the end of the year, a 450 Supercross winner, 250 Supercross winner, 450 uh, Moto MX Moto winner, 250 MX National winner. Andrew Short, what's up, Shorty? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just uh, trying to adjust to a new lifestyle, and uh, but enjoying it. Um, did I get? I got that right. You never did uh, uh, win a 450 National uh, overall, or did I get that wrong? Nope. No. I'm just like you, remember? <laughs> First moto, Bud Street. Right. Actually, I think I won. No, you won. Another moto. You got, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, you got a few motos. But um, but you won everything else. Everything else there is in the sport. So that's cool. That's a cool little accomplishment, you know? Um, including yeah. including 125s. <laughs> 125 Supercross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Hey, so um, how's – before I get into your new gig, I mean, how is it being retired? I mean, do you – I know you're riding for Honda, and we'll get into that, but clearly a little bit of anticipation, a little bit of, of nerves, a little bit of work, probably less work. Um, how is it being retired? What's that like so far? Yeah, I think retired is uh, highly overused in uh, <laughs> my situation. Um, by no means do I want to be retired or stay home. I like to spend more time with my kids, don't get me wrong, but um, I've been afraid of that, that day uh, for a long time, and you know I wasn't going to wake up in the morning and think about racing in terms of myself, you know, selfishly, um, how to be a better racer. So now that it's here, it doesn't feel much different. Mm-hmm. But I think when everybody lines up in January for Anaheim 1, uh, that's when it's going to sink yeah. in. So yeah. I'm really happy about my new gig, what you've uh, mentioned. I think that will help ease them, mm-hmm. the, men, the mentality part of it, you know, and help come to grips with everything. But um, it was time. So life's yeah. definitely a lot different. I spent some time in Colorado. 
after the last race, trail riding, which I love to do, especially mm-hmm. that time of year in Colorado. Yeah. And uh, to be on two wheels. So, I don't know. Life's different. A lot of changes. Um, trying to wrap my head around it, but also just uh, going with the flow. Yeah, I talked to a few guys about retirement. Uh, of course, the big one, five, a mutual friend of ours. And mm-hmm. uh, yep. yeah, he said the same. He kind of said the same thing. When the gate drops is when it starts hitting you. Like, I'm not down there, and I'm not supposed to be down there, and I'm not, you know, I'm not on the line. That's when it sort of sinks in. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like something I did learn from, uh, honestly, you and a few of those guys, like you've mentioned, that I retired. Like Ezra Lusk, he just disappeared, right? Right, yep. And uh, a few of these guys, and I've been really fortunate. I feel like I've had a, a great career. Obviously, everybody always wish, wishes they had more success or one more. Mm-hmm. Maybe besides, like, Ricky Carmichael yeah. or Jeremy McGrath. But, right. Um, I kind of knew it was coming, so I said, hey, this is my last year. And at that point, too, I had to commit to, you know, stopping. Um, yeah. And so I think that helped with, the you know, the mental side of it, knowing that this was it, and I really cherished and enjoyed each and every last race. And um, it kind of ha- – I was more at peace with it and didn't yeah. have as many regrets. So I'm thankful uh, the way it did end and, um, you know, could have been a lot worse. Not many people get to go out on their own terms, you know, or get to choose. Normally no. it's of injuries yep. or they can't get a ride. So – uh, that uh, I feel lucky to be that I was able to do that and to be in that position. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it is. Most people are are told that they're done, not picking when they're done. You know, and yeah. um, you know, and you had a nice amateur career, but by no means, I don't think anybody would have said, "Hey, Andrew Short's going to win all these races. He's going to be top three ten times. He's going to make millions of dollars. He's going to ride for fifteen plus years, uh, um, and, and and then he's going to walk away on his own." Like. A very, very nice career, and not one that maybe people would have thought of. You would have had, and it's through your own hard work and your own talent that it made it happen. But um, again, you weren't this amateur superstar kid that everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, he's just you know, so gonna kill it in his in his career." Yeah, and all those accomplishments, yeah, they're cool at the time, and all that fades away, and you're always looking forward. But I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing that I cherish is that it was a dream. You know, it's a dream come true, and not many people get to do that. Mm-hmm. For me to ride for a factory team like Honda and get to experience, you know, being a, a kid from Colorado that wasn't exactly lighting it on fire, like you mentioned, um, to be able to uh, experience what I did and race around the world and, you know, race here domestically and and all the relationships and meet people that I looked up, you know, growing up. Yeah. I was looking up to, you know, Jeremy McGrath and all these people. And so from that aspect, that's what I, I feel like I cherish most is that I got to live my dream as a kid and most people don't have that opportunity or you know all that kind of fades away so i think that's something very special and that i'm gonna cherish it's it's crazy like i know by no by no means am i comparing myself to you but sometimes i can't believe i'm this kid from winnipeg they used to put all these posters of their wall of of these guys you know i'm older than you so it was bradshaw and and lachine and stuff and and now i can call these guys i can just call them up and talk to them (laughs) They're like they're like my friends, you know. Yeah. It's crazy when you think yeah. about that. I grew up in Winnipeg, you know. Um, yeah. And so. it's funny, like how you say like Bradshaw and Lachine, you know, like that's who you just totally idolize, you know? right? And for me, it's totally different. It was somebody else, and you know, the next guy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty cool, you know. I feel like the sport seems massive from the outside looking on in, and then once you get in there and you experience it, as you know, it's not quite as big as yeah as what you think. And people come in and out and whatnot, but. It is cool. I mean, we all love two wheels and motocross, supercross. So, yep, it um, is uh, something special. When does Dan Bentley come up to you 
I'm assuming, in 16 at some point this year and say, hey, hey Andrew, uh, I think I have an opportunity for you to uh, to do something with, with us at Honda. Come back, let's say you rode for them for a long time. Uh, when does when does Dan come to you with this or, or someone from Honda? Mm, yeah, I, I talked to him for a while, and you would even be there, but you, I thought you were a better detective than, <laughs> than you are. Um, do you remember well, at Glen Helen? When no. I, was, uh, I actually had yes. your back at the yes. end of the race. Yes, you did. We were talking to Dan, and um, I felt I still feel to this day that like Formula One, uh, half the excitement is the announcers talking about who's going where in the transfer season, and you know who's using mm-hmm. or switching motors and the development and all that. And I think our sport needs more of that. It's it's pretty yep. secret, and I think that's kind of what you were trying to express to him as well. But he has different concerns because he's dealing with it on a different level from management. And, yeah, no, and I pressure. I love Dan. Yeah. I love Dan, and he's he's a great guy to talk to. But I'm yeah, and thankfully you're like one of the only riders shorty that's ever probably stuck up for me. By the way, but um, well, <laughs> that's yeah. why I truly agree. Right. I mean, that's why I love F1. The racing's boring on the track, right? But once right. you learn what's going on, it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And so, if our sport had more of that, it might uh, help attract some some more notoriety and right. whatnot. But so I, I was had uh, that conversation. Yeah, I was there. You know, <laughs> okay, yeah, damn it! I, I was going in the truck, but you weren't too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You were too flustered from Double D. He, I know. he did his job and got you to leave. I was. Yeah. I thought he was going to beat me up. I had to, had to get yeah. out of there. Um, okay, so yeah, and yeah, you announced earlier that you know it was going to be your last year, and and that was it. And then so basically, uh, it looks like. Um, from reading the press releases and talking to Gothic and, and talking to you a little bit, you're really going to do a lot of things for Honda. You're going to be the, uh, an ambassador to Honda, doing uh, uh, some working with dealers and meeting dealers and doing that kind of things, demoing projects. You're going to help test Supercross, Motocross for Kenny Rocks and Cole Seeley. You're going to uh, um, kind of be shuffled wherever Honda needs you. I imagine you know you, you'll make some appearance at some amateur races. Um, what a neat role you can kind of pick and choose a little bit of everything that you want to do. It's kind of kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, I don't know how much time I'll spend with the, the actual dealers and dealer network and whatnot, but um, I've met the local rep in Texas just riding up mm-hmm. the track, you know, yeah. the local track. But, right. you know, I don't know if I'll be cruising around. I'd more rather do that for somebody like Western Power Sports and Fly. But for me, in terms of Honda, I've been at the track, obviously, a lot here before Monster Cup. And uh, working with some of the guys, but um, more when they get more parts, I'll start testing and going through some of that stuff so the riders don't have to sort through so many parts. But I look forward to I've done some production stuff already, which has been mm-hmm. great for me. It's a, a big uh, learning curve and how everything works and functions. And right. I actually just got out of a meeting. I've never been in a meeting <laughs> in my life unless it related, related to racing. And that, typically right. that's after, right? Yeah. So. I just went to the big building up front here at the Honda corporate offices, which uh-huh. is a massive, yeah. you know, place. So yeah, I went to the big building and I wasn't even in trouble. Listened to a meeting about a, a media press function that I'm getting ready to attend. Yeah. So it's cool. You know, it's as a racer, you show up on the weekends and everything's already done and you race and you go home. And since I've been here, I don't think I've ever been more busy in my life. And it's amazing to see, you know, how much work is going into just this one race. You know, Bob, the motor guy, I was here on Saturday mm-hmm. and here on Sunday after I went riding, and Bob, the motor guy, is here both days, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's here till 10 or 11 at night. You know, uh-huh. like, man, <laughs> it's nuts. So, um, and, some and, new appreciation. And, and it's anywhere in your business card does it say Kenny Roxon's babysitter? <laughs> 
anywhere in there. Does it say, please keep an eye on yeah. Kenny? Please check in with yeah. Kenny. <laughs> I joke with him. Yeah. Papa, like, hey. you're, you're the new Papa. No, no one can replace Papa. Papa is a unique individual. <laughs> yes, he and, seemed uh, like that. Yeah. I love Papa. He's a good guy. And he's, I think he's kind of what shaped Kenny into who he is, especially as a writer. Mm-hmm. Papa's pretty smart. He might not communicate the same way that um, he's not the most maybe professional, but he's he's pretty intelligent. Right. And, um, yeah, I think, he, you know, Kenny owes a lot of success to, to him. You inform them who he is. Yeah. So. Uh, brand new bike, uh, 17 Honda. I love to see Honda doing mm-hmm. something new. I love to see any OEM come up with a brand new bike. Uh, it's always yeah. cool as being a bit of a mechanic gearhead guy that I am. Um, you were at Honda for that 09. That really, you were the only one that liked it. Tedesco didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Millsaps didn't like it. It was condensed. It was smaller. It was thinner. It was uh, a shorter. And here's the point I'm getting at. Uh, Dan and Shane Drew... And, and Gothic told me that Jeremy McGrath helped a lot with that stuff. Um, the, yeah. uh, getting data set up on it, riding the bike, uh, giving feedback, get, getting, being able to p- get put it at high rates of speed to help the racing team out. I think 2010 it was a better bike. 2011 it was a better bike. That's kind of – you're the new McGrath that way a bit, huh, Shorty? Like they're going to lean on you to be like, hey, what's the bike doing? What do you think? What? Let's put some data on it. Let's, let's put some motos yeah. in it and, and tell us. That's got to be – a little exciting. I think you're going to, I mean, I think a lot of, and you and Millsaps and Tedesco and Dan gave MC a lot of credit in, in 2010 and, and to the, the end of 2009. And that's going to be you now. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a massive challenge for me to learn something new. And I think, um, that's fun, you know, and exciting for me, but, uh, that bike, you know, was considered one of the best bikes. I think in 2012, it was fully developed and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could see people like Chad Reed, and those guys really liked it. So, you know, I think this year it's a lot different because the new base is a lot better. The guys are really happy with the bikes. And I think even from the production standpoint, it's a, it's a huge change, but in the right direction. And mm-hmm. I think 2008, um, before they went to fuel injection in 2009, that was considered uh, one, one of the best four-strokes uh, that Honda's made. Yeah. So I think this new bike is kind of more in a step that direction. And the general consumer really like it, but from the racing standpoint, it's uh, a huge deal for these guys. And I know Kenny's really excited and Cole um, is as well. He's mm-hmm. not as vocal about it. And I'm trying to learn how he, uh, <laughs> you know, how he communicates, right. but he, uh, he's going really fast and he, he, he likes it too, you know, but right. anything that's new, the riders are going to be stoked on. So it'll yeah. be interesting once we go racing to see if anything uh, comes up or if there's any issues that need to be addressed, but, I look forward to that, honestly, because it'll be, be fun for me because I get to try to fix it. Now, again, talking about Ferry, it's probably going to happen a lot in this, in this podcast, Shorty. But, um, yeah. you know, he he was testing for Stu. Larry called him when James was on the Yamaha, like, hey, can you – so this is three years out of retirement, so it's a little bit older than you. This is three years out of retirement. Hey, Timmy, can you ride James's bike, Supercross track, test it out, try it out, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to ride Supercross anymore. Like I just, mm-hmm. that's, that's over with, but for you, Andrew, you're, you're fine with that. You, you feel, you know, like no problem with that. Yeah. I'm no problem racing supercross. What I don't <laughs> want to do is come out of a turn, right. You know, on the first lap and go, do I double this? Do I triple this? But cause if you don't triple it, you're going to go backwards. Right. If you're going to play it safe. Right. And if you do triple it and somebody doubles it in front of you, you have that whole, uh, Trey Kennard, Ryan Morris deal. Mm-hmm. And that freaks me out. And I think from the racer, 
standpoint or perspective, when you start thinking about that, it's probably time to stop racing. And okay. if you're not willing to hang it out. So that's what I don't want to do is make those split-second decisions, especially now that I'm older. I don't know if I'm as quick, but I don't know. I just I don't want to make those split-second decisions where riding the Supercross track, no problem. Getting, yeah. yeah, getting yeah. to ride, you know, bitching bikes mm-hmm. and be around uh, like-minded people that have a passion for racing. Sign me up. Yeah. You know, I love that stuff. Oh, that's cool. And a uh, new Honda, electric start, right, as an option. I saw uh, Cole's got it on his bike. That's got to be nice, pretty sweet. For, I mean, you're coming from yeah. KTM, but yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I think if you buy a Honda for 2017, you don't put electric start on it. You have an issue, but whatever. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice I mean, you once be... you've got, once you got it. Once you get used to it, it's pretty nice. Phil Nicoletti, he would probably not go for the optional electric start if I saved money. Eight hundred dollars, right? Short, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Andrew Short would spend the extra whatever it is, right? To get the kid. Um, yeah, no doubt. The thing looks cool. I can't wait to see it. Um, did I understand that you had to break in a bunch of media bikes, like a whole bunch of bikes? Is that was part of your gig? It, it, the, the, my sources or I don't my sources told you that but okay that's my sources yeah um yeah you have some good sources ah uh, i don't know what that was what it was, must have been like i must have been weird to just like kind of yeah, ride a bike a little cool. bit and get off and get on another one that's exactly the same so i will tell you i had the opportunity to ride the 16 model honda and the 17 model and it was a big difference so that was great validation for me oh uh, here we go you, you, you can't even be you're like model. you're like preston i did a podcast with travis preston like three weeks ago and all he kept yeah, talking about was, good dude. was yamahas and how great they were you can't even talk to you anymore yeah yet. hey okay well that's one thing i really want to learn throughout this whole experience i have only ridden one bike my whole life right? true yeah yeah at a time so i'm hoping that through this process when i go production testing i get to ride some different brand bikes and learn what they're all about yeah and uh, see where they stack up. So oh. it's easy for me because I can compare it to the KTM, right? And yep. I think that's one of the better bikes. It's one of the more competitive. You know, it's had great success on the racetrack with Brian Dungey. Yeah. So for me, I kind of know his platform and where the Honda stands yeah. in terms of performance. So Yeah, but, and saying that, two things surprised me about this move to Honda. And I didn't, I didn't know what you were doing for a long time. I was pestering the shit out of you to try to find out what you were going to do while you were racing. And you were like, you'll find out, you'll find out. I knew you'd stay with WPS and Fly because they're family. And I knew they would mm-hmm. love to have you still no matter what you did. But here, I really would have put a lot of money. I would have probably bet a Basset Hound on you <laughs> staying with KTM or Husky, whatever, one of that. And doing some GNCCs, doing some Erzbergs, you know, kind of basically, you know, maybe demoing some bikes at, at the uh, for the dealer shows and things i really would have put a lot of money on that shorty so um yeah no you have to also understand yeah you have to also understand that off-road is important for honda with johnny campbell and the mm-hmm. other new africa twin and so yeah i mean that stuff i love so i want to be involved with that stuff with honda anyway so yep. there's the same opportunities are there and there's great people at honda with management right now yep and with the race team and i get along good with double d and gothic and the rest of the technicians so mm-hmm. it's perfect for me you know i'm really excited about it and also i feel like honda you know how ktm had their big push yeah starting about 2011 yep. a lot of money yeah honda's in the in the same position right now i feel like they're with the economy coming back they're rebounding they have a lot of new innovative products coming out and it's a good time for to be around it you know a lot yeah. of resources they're spending money on racing so mm-hmm. that's exciting and fun and they have good bikes and so that's kind of what attracted me to it. And the people, obviously, you got to, with their race team, they have good people, and that makes it fun and enjoyable week in, week out. Yeah, I, uh, 
I love that HRC is back. I mean, they, they, on the European side, they, they you know they got bail. They paid them all the money for Paul in. Didn't work out, but whatever. They invested yeah, that. Yeah. They 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 They're built still a whole, the championship. Yeah, the guys are in. Yeah, they won a championship. They got a, they built a whole new cylinder head where the exhaust comes out the other side that never saw production. They just did it yeah. over there. Yeah. Um, they're back, yeah. Honda's back, and 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 you know this commitment with Roxon, this is huge. I and mean, he he was not mm-hmm. cheap, as as I'm sure yeah. you know. And um, it, I like to see it. Yeah, Honda's just like you know what, KTM, uh, we're not just going to roll over here. You know, we've got a brand new bike. Dude, yeah. And yeah, it's that's awesome. Yeah. So, one of my first days when I got here a couple weeks ago, uncrated a brand new works bike straight from Japan for Geyser. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. they're pretty disappointed because he got hurt this weekend. Yeah. Not disappointed. But, yeah, but, yeah. You know what I'm saying, yep. but man, dude, it's so cool to see like something like you know. It's not very often that you get to see like that, and to, to see the commitment and resources they put towards racing, mm-hmm. just to uncreate something like that was sweet. Yeah, and like you said, the one-off parts that they run in Europe, there's some uh, pretty yeah. cool stuff on his bike. Yeah, you, you can know, see, and, and even uh, yeah. over here a few years back, they brought out that tie, that tie tank. And you're like, oh, yeah. titanium tank, like you know, it's Honda. High tank on the stock one now. I know. That? I, I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's just nice to see Honda. Yeah, they are definitely back a little bit. Um, so you're going to be doing a bunch of things, uh, testing for Supercross, mm-hmm. testing for the for the race team, and uh, and doing. The, I imagine you'll be the media launch in uh, Monster Mountain here for that bike uh, to help all the media yeah. guys and, and and work with that kind of stuff. Is there something that you told Honda you want to do? Like something you're like, obviously we just talked about your general, like an event or, or somewhere where you're like, hey, can I do this? Do I want to do this? Can I do this? Was there something yeah. like that? Mm, not so much. No. I just want to do off-road stuff. I love that. And But, dude, my main thing is I want to ride more than when I did when I raced. And I don't want to ride the same tracks week in, week out. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done that. Uh, I don't mind going to the races. Sure. But, you know, in between that, I want to. Like, I'm about to go do uh, a Baja trip with uh, Simon Cubby on the Africa Twin. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never get to do that if I was racing. I'd no. be focused on getting my laps in and, you know, eating good, mm-hmm. not drinking Mexican beer and stuff like that. <laughs> like, that's what I want to go do. I want to go to Colorado in the summer and, and ride a motorcycle, you know. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that are important to me. But that, that fits my role. It's perfect, you know. And it, it's uh, with Honda and what they're involved with racing, it's like perfect Perfect opportunity, perfect job, a dream job, you know, yep. for me. So, and it will help ease the transition from racing. You know, traveling weekend, week out. Well, I was going to say, sitting at home uh, yeah. on a farm would be, yeah, I would go nuts. So how many is, uh, races do you go to? Does it matter? Do you pick? Uh, how many are you looking mm-hmm. to do? I don't know. Whatever they yeah. ask me to go, okay. I'll go. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I'll probably go to more supercrosses than outdoors. But right, right. We'll see. You know, it depends how the the how it goes throughout the year and um but dude i'm i'll i'm open to whatever i'll do whatever they need and i'm willing to to do whatever Mm -hmm. um all right let's go into the time machine a little bit go backwards uh uh again we talked about a little bit uh for the success you've had for the for the uh uh, points you've accumulated the money you've made a little bit of a of an uh uh, a career that maybe like i said nobody had, had predicted um you're, you go to Mitch, you're a team green kid, you're pretty fast, you come up, you ride for Mitch Payton for two races, you go 17th and 18th at Broome and Steel City, and I gotta say, and Josh Woods is with you, I believe, and, and given the same kind of spot, and neither of you, those are okay finishes, those weren't great, but look, you're fresh out of the amateur things, um, and you've done some races earlier, you did Hangtown and things like that, but um, yeah. were you surprised that there just was no room for you? I mean, basically... Peyton gave you two races, gave Josh Woods two races, and said, 
eh, I'm, I'm not going to make room for either one of you. Um, I thought that was mm-hmm. a pretty big surprising. I remember I was a mechanic then, yeah. but I remember thinking like, oh, well, one of these kids is going to get a shot. Yeah. Well, I kind of knew after Loretta's, like, before that. I'd done an outdoor of the year before at Steel City. I did pretty yep. good. I finished 13th in a moto or whatever. And then I did some supercrosses. Yep. And my first one was awesome. Uh, I think Casey Lytle, Shea Bentley, and me were 7, 8, 9. So not good for them, but sweet for me, right? <laughs> sweet for you, right, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm stoked. Mitch yeah. is chewing them out in the semi, and I'm, like, eyes wide open, like, <laughs> freaking out, like, this is gnarly. Right. And then uh, the next weekend, I didn't even qualify, so you can imagine how I felt the next weekend mm-hmm. in San Diego, because it was all muddy. So yeah. it was really up and down. At Loretta's, I pretty much had to go 1-1 uh, to get a ride with Mitch, and I went 1-2, which basically told me, Bruce Sternstrom was like, hey, you know, we're not going to have room for you. It's oh, okay, so you knew early. One. Yeah, yeah, wow. Geez. Yeah, so, yeah. and that was the year James Stewart won everything, obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, in the other pro class. So, yeah, I mean, I was blessed with an opportunity to go to Motor World, and it was perfect because I knew Paul Lindsay from yeah. growing up in Colorado, and he gave me uh, a great base to go race with no pressure, you know, looking back, and it allowed me to develop, and any other sport, you know, cycling or endurance sports, they have under 23 categories and uh, developmental programs. Mm-hmm. Our sport doesn't have much of that. You kind of get thrown in and sink or swim, and you either figure it out or you don't. And I think that's why you see a lot of people come in and come out. But that that situation really allowed me to develop as a rider and, and fully learn how, how to race as a professional and travel and go through all those things. So the first year I was kind of shaky. Mm-hmm. I was number 69 that year. I don't know yep. if you remember. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, and then the next year I had a off season where I didn't get hurt where the year before I broke my collarbone in okay. November. And because of that, it just allowed me to, uh, you know, get some confidence. I got on the podium, and that year I ended up winning the East-West shootout, which was huge for me yeah. for the team. But um, definitely a memory I, I won't ever forget. So it was cool how it all worked out in the end. Were you I thought of- it was the end of the world. But it, yeah. It, Worked out perfect. Were you one of those? So you were crushed after the the team green thing and and pro circuit. Like you were like, what do I yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. if any kid, you know, that's where they wanted to I go. But it was perfect how it worked out in hindsight. Yeah, no. Paul just kind of you know paid you a little bit of money, allowed you to probably live right, and you just learn. Yeah. Were you were you one of those kids though? And this is uh, maybe not because you know this is we're talking oh two oh three. This is uh, um, still fairly new, not that long ago. But were you one of those kids that kind of like didn't have any idea? And and by the way, it doesn't happen nowadays. But did you were you one of those kids that had no idea how to train? Like you were like, wait, I got to do all of that. That's what these guys do. Or or were you okay with that from the start? Yeah, no, I didn't even really train. I would say train until two thousand five. Okay, which, yeah, you know, yeah. But you know, yeah, I went to public school. I never went to supercrosses. If I had, if my parents had spare time to take me anywhere, we were going to the track to go ride ourselves, let alone, you know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad would set the VCR to record the race, and that was like hit or miss, you know. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I was real clueless. I think that's why I did so well in my first Supercross. Uh-huh. Um, I finished well in the next one. You know, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how the program worked or anything. You know, I'd get the schedule beforehand. Yeah. So, yeah, I was clueless, but um, that's kind of how it, you know, I think that shows how I am and how, who I am, you know, personally, it took mm-hmm. me a while to learn and catch on, but I wanted it bad enough. And I had that passion where I studied and learned how to uh, apply myself in the best way. And then same with training, you know, it's like, I got to that point where, yeah, I was consistent and I was at this level, but I knew if I wanted to get to the next level, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I had to step it up in all the different areas and you have to surround yourself around the right people to get that knowledge. And, 
Um, when I got to Honda, that kind of opened up uh, a lot of different areas for me to just yeah. to be around different people from McGrath, to Fonseca, and those guys. I could see what they were doing at the track in a way. So. Yeah, so you win, you win Vegas. You have some really good. Actually, for shorty, I gotta be honest. You have better finishes than I remember. Uh, in '03, you went three nine two four. The first few Supercrosses, four again. Then you won the Vegas, the East West, which yeah. was great. Uh, yeah. I don't remember them being that well. So again, you got good finishes. Uh, again, in '04, you start riding. You ride for Motor World again, and uh, again, you have a, probably not as great of a year, but good year. Um, yeah. When does Honda come? When does Honda come yeah. and get you a deal? Um, East Coast. I was riding a 250 two-stroke. Yeah. And uh, on the opposite coast, and man, I was doing really well. Like I won a heat race, and um, I was just I was doing pretty good on a really production-based bike. Yeah. And so that's kind of what what got everything going. And before Supercross was even over, I had a deal signed with Honda. And that might have been Kehoe. That was Kehoe then, I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Kehoe, yeah. Chuck Miller. Right. Right. Yeah. Those guys, you know, those good people. Um, back then, and mm-hmm. the year before, I was on a 2004. I was on a 125 two-stroke, and that's when the four-strokes came on. And I was like, it was like taking a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, true. Yeah, you always so, got to remember that. Whenever you look at results, like some guys killed it, yeah. some guys didn't, and you always got to remember what kind of bike were they riding. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's why I did really good on the opposite coast on 252 stroke. It was like yeah. the equipment was leveled out somewhat, and that production-based bike uh, for oh, Suzuki yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, yeah. I had a pipe silencer and some yep. suspension on it, you know. And I went and raced it and was competitive. So, but man, I was thankful. At least I had that because looking back, it got me on really good equipment with Honda. And that's back when it was like cheating to be on a Honda four stroke. It was like us and Mitch. Yeah, they dumped so much money into those things for two fifty F. Yeah, it was. Uh, it helped get me going and and uh, really allowed me to, you know, blossom as a as a racer. Mm-hmm. Your first day at the Honda track, were you nervous? Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah, just like so many people just standing there looking right. at you. Yeah, you're like, hey, man. And Ricky just left, and yeah, I mean, all that stuff was nuts. You're like, hey, hey, man, like, uh, I just rode Motor World last year. Give me, give me some time to break it. Get used to this. <laughs> get used to this program, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and we're and we're guys were training, like you said. And you're like, now, now you're looking at. I mean, right or wrong, you're looking at a championship contender. You're on factory Honda, right? I mean, that's yeah. basically it. And, dude, it's weird, you know, like. When you're an amateur, you have all this stuff, bikes, gear, all that. You turn pro and you ride for a team like Motorola, they're like, okay, here's your practice bike for the year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Here's the gear. And it's like you have nothing. And then you get back to Factory Honda and it's like you're an amateur again. It's like, <laughs> it was like magical, you know? Like yeah. everything was, there was an aura around it that was really special. And all the tie on the bikes and, yeah. you know, all the resources and stuff that I'd never been exposed to. Yeah. And that's what made it magical, you know? And there's something that's, different about honda in and, and that way and that's the feeling that i'll never forget and i hope that you know mm-hmm. i think all the right you know ricky wanted to go to honda for a reason you yeah. know and i think the same with kenny there's something about it that's kind of magic it's kind of like the ferrari of f1 or sure. whatever you know yeah. it's like so that i'll never remember just staring at my bike in the garage thinking this thing's a mean machine <laughs> like, so. you're like i can't believe i have this thanks everybody for listening to the motorcycle superstore.com racer x podcast Thanks for listening, man. These things are going great, and I'm stoked with the responses from everybody, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job with the downloads. Don't forget the Fly Race and Moto 60 show on Thursdays, the Pulp MX show on Mondays, the NFAB Racer X Fantasy show sometime in the middle of the week, and the Motorcycle Superstore, they're a passionate team who speak moto from talking about going riding, bench racing from the latest company ride, 
to the latest parts and gear. This is what drives them to be a place for you to check out all things motorcycles with the top brands in gear, accessories, tires, parts, and apparel. You want to save there. they got everything you need to get out and ride. Go to the website to check out their in- inventory of brands, uh, over 700 of them. Do you speak moto? If you do, go to MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Use the code PB-PULP16 to uh, 10% off participating brands. PB-PULP16 saves you money. All right, let's get to these commercials from Racetech and Michelin and MotorcycleSuperstore.com. Thanks for listening. See you after the break. Racetech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with Racetech. Trust me on this. There's more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably... 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Racetech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Racetech, Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelins uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire was too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And normally, you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit. But this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses: key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction handling. They do it all. Starcross Five, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out. The local dealer people. These guys no tires and they know what they're doing 
MotorcycleSuperstore.com, RacerX Podcast with uh, Andrew Short, uh, brought to you by Fox Racing, foxhead.com. And I guess just kind of like you talked about training and learning how to do that, I imagine that when you got the Honda, and I've seen this uh, from my days of being on different teams, uh, you got the Honda and you're like, oh, wait, I have to learn how to test. I got to tell these guys what this thing is doing, right? And that's that's an acquired Mm, skill. Yeah, I didn't know. I never really tested up to that point. Right, anything, right. You know, so. And, yeah, I wasn't that good. But, you know, when you ride for Honda for six years, when you leave, you've tried mm-hmm. enough stuff to know what you want or what you think is good. And mm-hmm. Some of that is, um, you know, directed by people's opinions and their agenda. And then after a while, you kind of learn, you know, where they're headed or what they're going. I know. So it's weird that way, right? Education. Yeah. 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 You wouldn't think it's that way, but I've learned. Yeah. And, uh, so hopefully I can help, you know, with that communication with riders mm-hmm. and the technicians and the engineers from Japan. And so I think those are some of the skills or assets I have that I hope to pass on to the other riders yeah. so they can have more success. Yeah, you know how Kenny rides in low RPMs, right? He really keeps the momentum up, really rides yeah. the bike in low RPMs. You yourself, you got to kind of know that and be like, well, look, hey, Dan, I don't really like this, but Kenny's going to like this because this is how yeah. he rides a motorcycle, right? Yeah. Yeah, Dan says that all the time. You know, I got I have to learn the traits of not only him but Cole. You know, I yeah, think. Cole too. Yeah, for Cole, sure. Yeah, he's in a great spot in his career. I feel like he has the maturity now and the experience. He's been with the team for a while, so he's uh he could be a sleeper. And I feel like um, his confidence is going to grow, and he's going to benefit from all the resources that are coming here for Kenny mm-hmm. as well, and, and just being at the track, having a, a carrot to chase. So, right. You know, it, it's a, a good thing for him as well. It's a little bit of a of a, hey, I'm not the number one guy on the team. Cole won Supercross mm-hmm. races. People need yeah. to remember he won 450 Supercross races and, and has made yeah. tons of podiums. Yet he can be like, hey, I'm no pressure. Kenny's the guy, and I'm gonna. Yeah. And you and you know what could end up happening is he could end up just killing it with that with that attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know how it is with racing. Once rider oh. has a little bit of success, oh, I know success. Confidence goes, man. So. Um. Remember, remember, remember when you rode 450 and Chad grabbed your helmet and he was yelling at you because you started that pile up and I, I was standing right there and I was like, I was like, that was, oh. when I was all, yeah, I was still riding a 250, uh, that was 250F. So I was riding the opposite coast. Yeah, you're riding, you were jumped in yeah, a 450 yeah. class on a Honda, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, you don't need to be here. Yeah. I know. And I was like, on me. I know. I was like, dude, come on. I mean, you did start a big pilot, but it wasn't like on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like you didn't, you weren't like, Hey, I'm going to just fall right here on the inside rut. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you're like, yeah, I made a mistake. Sorry. I remember yeah. thinking like, Holy crap, man. Um, hey, that's racing. It, it is. Yeah. Hey, the, the smile. If you don't have any emotion, then yeah. something's not right. The smiley face assassin is something that Stuart coined you on, on the pulp show. And it's followed you around. It was really good. It was a good one by him. But yeah. do you feel like that's a little not fair, your reputation? Uh, JT's talked no. about it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah you're, you're fine with all of that. Like, I, you, hey, I, I've seen it, and I've heard riders complain about it. Um, but on the other hand, when I worked for Ferry, he wasn't exactly clean either, man. Um, so you're okay with all that? Like, that never bugged you? Uh, who cares? You know, okay. that's what yeah, your peers yeah. think. You're not going to change that thinking. I, I just know that from this, my standpoint, I always tried my hardest to get to that, you know, checkered flag as quick as I could and mm-hmm. the best position that I could. And I wasn't just going to give that away. I fought so hard my whole life to get to where I was that, you know, that's what I yeah. wanted to do. And, you know, racing's racing. So yeah, I made some bonehead decisions and, and 
maybe some passes I shouldn't have. Right. Um, but I I was wanting to you know go forward and do better and mm-hmm. be my best. So in that aspect, I have no regrets. I definitely made some bonehead moves and. Maybe I was young and too much emotion, and I'll get fired up if somebody stuffed me. I'd want to get them back. And, but that's why I loved racing, you know. And I always raced people the same way I expected to be raced. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, sometimes people would hit me, and but I wouldn't go complain about it or whatever. So, right. I don't know. People have different you know, opinions on how they should race. And some people are cleaner and don't want any contact. And I grew up racing in Colorado where the old guys would just plow me. (laughs) Like Paul Lindsay? Like like Paul Lindsay? Yeah, like Paul Lindsay for 200 bucks. You know, that was their grocery money for the week. So, you know, that's how, that's what I was used to. So, I mean, I I don't blame those guys for saying that or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not ashamed of it by any means, but yeah, I would have changed, maybe... I wouldn't race the same as today as I would when I was 18, you know? Yeah, of course sure. not. Right. Yeah. I always felt but, like, I mean, you know, you, it, it, yeah, you were an aggressive guy, but there were other guys too. And it's such a, we saw that with Anderson this year. I mean, I, I think he yeah. made some bonehead moves. Other times he made some passes where I'm like, what, what, why is everyone freaking yeah. out? Do you know what I yeah. mean? And it's all in the eye of the beholder. That's, that's yeah. it. Like no one can ever be like, Oh, and that's dirty. And that's not, there's never that distinction. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. But you know? it's racing, too, you know, and, like, no one's going to be perfect. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can't just, like, put your blinker on and be like, hey, I'm going here, you know. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, and I love people, like, when I see Cooper Webb going to the front of the pack, I don't know the kid yeah. at all, you know. But, dude, when I see him charge the pack and just want it like no other, like, I'm a fan of. When I see him get pissed and all teary-eyed on the podium at the Nations, mm-hmm. that makes me stoked. You know, like, yep. that kid cares. Like, I'm a big fan of him. That's who I am as a person, and that's kind of how I raced. So right. everyone's different, dude. You know you know how it is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, 2007 450 Motocross Series, you didn't win the title, but I have to think that was my, probably the funnest. I don't even know if funnest is the right word. I think that maybe that was, that was just an amazing off uh, in national season between you and Langston and Alessi and Ferry, Wyndham near the end, uh, James went out with injury. That was a nutso outdoor series. Yeah. That was my first year in 450s too. Yeah. So it just was, uh, my bike was really good that year, which helped me. And uh-huh. then Langston's, I don't think was that good. And then it got better towards the end. And then it got a lot better. He, yeah. He changed his frame, I think, at uh, Washougal. And then in his head, he believed he had the magic pill and just crushed it from that point on but mm-hmm. yeah i always loved racing uh ferry he would always pass me but it was a big challenge i always wanted to beat him so and you know that but yeah um yeah, yeah I, I look back on that and enjoy it and like i'd get smashed by him at the end of the moto and i wouldn't care you know because right yeah i yeah. wanted to beat him so um yeah when you went to ktm uh and they asked you to ride the 350 yeah uh what do we think about that now did you did you volunteer, put your hand up, and say, no problem? Did you fight that? Looking back, and I mean, no one's really raced a 350 since you did it, and it it's never it's a great bike for 95% of the people out there at the upper levels of pro racing. I don't know if it has a, a future, um, but for that, that was that maybe the most frustrating year you had? Hmm. No, I mean, looking back on it, I learned a lot from it, and uh, yeah, that was the best bike that they had to offer. That was the best platform they had to offer at the time, and Mm -hmm. the team was so new with Roger and Ian coming. They didn't have resources um, to do a whole lot. They were building a team from scratch, essentially, 
Um, so yeah, I don't have any regrets about it. I don't think it was the most competitive bike. Obviously, it was something that I didn't uh, gel with very well. But it was a great bike. Yeah, really fun to ride, not to race. Did you? But, uh, it had to. It had to shock you at how. I don't want to say uncompetitive it was because it was. You you scored top ten finishes, which is no joke. But yeah, you, there's no way you thought it would go that poorly, right? I don't think. Or did? Mm, yeah, I I thought it was going to be a development year. Like I I knew that mentality when I signed up for it. And okay. Me and had the that same mentality, so uh-huh. it was cool to see that team when I first walked in there. The first day was Roger, Ian, and Carlos. Mm-hmm. You know that was it. Yeah, just an empty building, and uh, <laughs> there was a few guys. Um, left over like Leighton from the motor shop and Casey Lytle and you know there's a few guys left over from the old team mm-hmm. but there wasn't much dude and to see it today it's like you know like, uh, there's, yeah there's madness over there they're you know, taking over stuff yeah. Going on. yeah they're taking yeah. over um, so it's cool to see how it's transformed but it definitely wasn't the most fun year of racing but it shaped me for who I was and mm-hmm. you know it was I had some good races um, but it didn't start off well uh, the going back to Honda with uh, Larry and Jeremy, uh, that didn't work out. But incredibly, with all that kind of going on behind the scenes and, and the team not maybe being funded the best, you won Seattle. And I still think that is such a cool race, such a cool story. Kenny gets second. Uh, you're, you, he was living with you at the time, or maybe not right then, but around that time. And uh, and yeah. you go out and you win Seattle like with with maybe the most unlikely like team situation you've been in. It's crazy how that yeah. works, right? Like you can't even storybook that. Yeah, they didn't even have a truck at the races. No, you know, we were just yeah. the bike went in the Honda truck. Right. So it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. But you know, I learned a lot off the track, just in life. Uh, you know, from uh, character and uh-huh. all kinds of stuff. So that was, uh, I want to say, it was a good experience, but it was the experience <laughs> that shaped my life. And to win at that time was huge. Oh, like the dude. excitement level was a 10, you know, as, yeah. as, as good as it can get. So uh, that's probably one of the highlights of my career. That and motocross nations, obviously. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, about are that. Are the yeah. two things yeah. that are, that stand out in my mind as like some of the, my best days racing. And also that place was special, dude, because I lost the championship on a 250F there in 2006. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went in there, I believe with the points lead and left, obviously, without the championship. So had some bad memories. And so yeah. kind of win there makes it, made it special as well. When's the last time you watched that that race? Or I mean, do you ever watch no, that? No, no, I never. Watched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like the check cashed. Um, did you get? Yeah, did you get? I don't think you can live in the past like that, man. Like, uh, I, yeah. I, I watch races of Bud's Creek First Moto all the time, Shorty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Summer Cross? You want to watch Summer Cross next time you come over? Um, yeah. No. Hey, what's one? Uh, what's one misconception the fans have? about factory riders not necessarily you but uh about factory riders what's one thing that you you have to explain to fans a little bit about like hey it's not really like this or or whatever is there something that comes to mind you know no not something and then nothing yeah i mean it's it's awesome those guys show up there's new gear every week there's (laughs) no fresh goggles so it is awesome you ride for x brand and mathis which i know you don't anymore no uh, there's 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 tons of money flowing in everywhere. Checks are just flowing in. It's great, right? Yeah, I think for the top five guys, yeah, the money's definitely changed throughout my career. Uh-huh. There for a while, it was really well, and then it it's definitely tapered off. And I think it's the power is more in the team's hands right now. There's there's more yeah. good riders than there are rides available. Yeah, I don't like that. I wish we I yeah. wish we were different. I don't know. 
I honestly feel, and I'm not, I'm not a socialist. I'm not from Russia, although I am from Canada, which is people say it's a socialist Halfway country. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but honestly, like I I I feel like Dunge and Kenny and 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 RV when he raced, they should make less. I'm sorry, I know it's mm. terrible to say like that, but we're yeah. so not healthy when we have our best riders making five to ten million, and a guy ten spots behind him is, is making fifty grand. And can, or can't even get yeah. a ride or whatever. That's not right. But but then again, I don't want to say like, oh, those guys should it should be socialism or I don't know. But yeah, it seems like we're out of whack. I, you I, know? Yeah, I agree with you. But man, dude, it it scares me to see the generation that's coming up. You know, they don't get their driver's license um, when they're sixteen anymore. You know, and they're not. I'm afraid because I don't think they're going to be buying motorcycles. And I, obviously, motorcycle sales aren't what they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Obviously, racing is is advertising at the highest level. It's a branding image, but I think that plays a factor into it. So I, there was money at one time. You hear JT talking about it on your show how you know there was all these different sources yeah. of revenue streams yeah. that he could tap into, and all yeah. that stuff's dried up. So it's not just our sport. I think it's outdoors in general. Whether you're a you know a, a fishing supplier, or, you know, there's all these sure. sports that are gonna have issues that are related to the next generation that are coming up that are plugged into the video game the video game people yeah 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 or even i don't know it's just different so Um, it worries me dude because i have a passion for for motorcycles and all that and i i hope that um maybe we'll just skip a generation that the younger generation (laughs) that's coming up we need to get them some striders or something to get them involved in outdoors but i I know that would help with the motive yeah you're right you're absolutely right like it, it is uh yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, I don't know how to fix it. I yell and scream in the microphone yeah. all the time, but I don't have any solid answers. <laughs> you in corporate America. I, I do think, I don't want to say the promoters, and because I have no idea how much goes into a race, and you know, how their expenses and financials, yeah. but yeah. I would think, you know, there would be a way to get a bigger purse for, you know, 10 Something. to 20. Yeah. 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 But then again, I'm not very educated on that, so I shouldn't say that or point the finger. Um, I know they do a lot for the sport, and I shouldn't well, complain. They're giving us a great platform to go race. So, and they risk it. They risk it if there's a rain out. But I, I do think, yeah, I do think the folks should help out. I, I don't know about the riders. How about let's help the team owners field yeah. teams, and then they can disperse it, dispense it down to the riders. You know, disperse it yeah, down to the riders. I have a, yeah, and have a base salary that a rider should mm-hmm. get if the teams are unionized or something. Yeah, like not, some not franchise, franchise, franchise. There we go. I like that better. Yeah, the union word scares people, so we'll stay away from that yeah. one. But and rightly yeah. so. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a model that you know successful long term. Um, but favorite uh, favorite teammate you've had over the years. I enjoyed Kenny when he came when he was sixteen. <laughs> right, he was crazy. Dude. <laughs> Like, he'd be talking about stuff that I don't want to mention here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but, like, I'd be, like, mind-blown. But uh, David Tengri was probably the other one. I learned a lot from that dude. He would show up to the track with a lunch, like, bring food. I never brought food to the track. You know? <laughs> right, right. And with his shovel and just how he approached racing, I learned a lot from him by just visually watching how he approached racing. And that really helped. Yeah. And I think he's a stand-up person away from the track. Family yeah. man, and uh, yeah. he always uh, – tried hard when i was around him so. well and then yeah Probably talk about time. talk about a guy that could open your eyes to training you're like wow look at the, what he does and i don't do that i don't bicycle i don't you know he, ping yeah. was probably still he was near the end Dude, but he was working hard first person who ever took me on a road bike there we go david pinger you know um yeah so, absolutely he actually trained when i was there he 
I think he realized the end was in sight, and he didn't want to have any regrets either, so he uh, gave it full effort. Yeah, Maybe more so than what people give him credit for. Uh, the last few years with uh, the BTO Sports KTM team with, with Forrest Butler, um, yep. how's that been? How, how was that ride? I mean, you'd been a full-factory KTM rider. You'd been a full-factory Honda guy. Now, your bike was uh, you know, very, very good, maybe missing a few things that Dunge, didn't ha- that Dunge had, but you did have the air suspension, and you know, KTM guys love you. Like Roger and Ian can't can't say enough good things about you. But did you did you like flying a little under the radar as far as like, hey, I'm I'm not expected to win anymore. I'm just gonna you know try my best on this uh, this factory satellite supported team. Yeah, it was perfect for me yep. uh, for the situation. And KTM always gave me all the resources that I ever needed uh, to be competitive and. Working with Forrest was great. He had his own personal sponsors like Pirelli, and I really enjoyed working with Doug, uh, the old you know Bridgestone mm-hmm. Doug, but yep. now he's Pirelli. Yeah, Pirelli Doug, right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I learned a lot from him and uh, and Pirelli and stuff like that. That was uh, specific to BTO and their program. So stuff like that, I really enjoyed. Yeah, those relationships and KTM always went above and beyond. So I always had everything I needed on that bike and the support. So I appreciate that and would always want to give them thanks and praise and to be a part of their program, you know, at the beginning was cool and uh, had a lot of opportunities with them. So yeah, I loved it. It was cool. It's like, like you said, you didn't have the pressure of the factory team, but yet you had all the resources at times, maybe not, you know, a test track or stuff like yeah. that, but you can yeah. get around that and make the best of it. So at that point in my career, it was a great platform to go race and, uh, um. you know, and, Enjoyed it. You know what else? Uh, you've been there from the start. Uh, WPS Fly Racing, Craig Shoemaker at uh, at WPS. Look, Fox Racing is a sponsor of this pod, but uh, and they're a great company also. But uh, Fly Racing um, is a part of the things that I do. I've been up there. You've literally been their number one. Well, Villeman was before you for a year. But basically, you were their guy that they started with the gear. And the gear has come light years from 2003, 2004. Yeah. Uh, but it... This company is another people like you and and WPS and Fly are. I've been associated with each other uh, for a long time now, and you've seen this company just grow, man. Um, which is cool. Yeah. You've been a part of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great to see a company like that that works hard and has great values. Um, I think that starts at the top from Craig and, mm-hmm. and uh, Terry Baisley and now Ripper, and always enjoyed hanging out with Max. So all those guys, it's great to see their success that they've had and. I think they've grown uh, bigger than they could even have imagined, and they have great vision. And they they base that company on their relationships and, and what you know. They're just good people, and mm-hmm. I think that's what's allowed them to have success. And besides that, yeah, it's it's cool to see how cool and better the gear's gotten. Like you mentioned at first, it's kind of like, ah, eh, find out the best, you know. Like you said, Fox has been good for a long time, but now flies right there and to see how far they've come and grown and you know it's but, cool to see uh, i think you deserve some of that credit and, you, you deserve some of that credit shorty i mean you probably yeah. helped them a lot you know and been like hey can we yeah. do this can we do that i mean you were the first yeah. guy again villain wore it before you but um i don't think that ended well at the end but um yeah typical villain fashion right a villain yelling and screaming right he's yelling and screaming about something but um you know i think you've helped that company out a ton and and you've been on the podium with that stuff where people are like what is that and look a guy won in it you know what i mean so well i hope so i love those guys and anything i can do for them i'd always love to and uh love to help and be involved with but it's just cool to see their success like you said i've been there for a long time and yeah uh, some of the things that 
you know, I love the most is those light hydrogen pants. Me and Trey really wanted a pant that was more free and uh, you can move around in it mm-hmm. uh, better than their previous generation pant. It's more for a racer, not the guy, not the weekend warrior. You know, they have yeah. other stuff. Let's get to that. And then Seiji uh, helped with that boa pant. Yeah. Which yeah. I really liked as well. Um, so those are the two things I'm probably uh, most close to or most more passionate about that have helped there besides the design stuff, which goes in out of fashion all the time. But, you know, they're always looking for the next best, but good times there and good people. To wrap this up here on the, uh, on the MotorcycleSuperstore.com podcast with uh, Andrew Short, I was a mechanic for a long time, as you know, and then turned into the media guy. And some, when I was a mechanic, sometimes the media bugged the shit out of me because they didn't have the true story and know what's going on behind the scenes. And, and, and I'm probably yeah. guilty of that now you know, um, spouting off about things that I don't really know behind the scenes what's going on. But you were a guy, and I got to say, like, I want to kiss your ass on this podcast, but good, bad, things going terrible. Uh, after the race, you're there to talk to the media, to try to put a, a, a smile on your face. And, and, you know, even if you rode bad, you were like, it's my fault. I got to get it next time. Blah, blah, like. You were terrific to deal with when at times I'm sure you didn't want to talk to myself or anybody else. Um, how much was that important to you to, to, to talk to media and to, to give them some time? Uh, I, and I don't recall you ever saying, hey, not tonight. I just, I don't, even no matter what happened. So was that a conscious effort on your part to be like, I got to deal with these jerkies, good or bad? Mm, no, I, I love being at the races. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm probably more transparent with what you're saying is because I loved it. And I don't know. I, I think that's just my personality. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy all the aspects of what went into racing. And so for me, it was fun to talk to people like you and whether you wanted to talk about the race for a minute, then I could ask you about something, you know, for two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I enjoy that, those, those conversations and those relationships. Um, you know, somebody like Antonovich, he's a good dude, you know, and just talk about racing, you know, and he, he wants to ask about the race for one minute, whatever. Yeah. And he can talk about other stuff. So, but you were always, those, even when you were had bad races, you, you would give an interview, you know, you would talk about yeah, why not? What I mean, happened? It's not like I'm going to go in a hole and just hide. <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's just life, man. Like, I know. But some other guys, and I, I get it. I'm not coming down on other guys, but other guys are like, yeah. "Hey, I don't want to talk. I just, I gotta go. I, I'm not even gonna be here yeah, when he's here, you know." So, yeah, I'm not like that. No, not at all. Um, well, hey, man, thanks. Uh, thank you for doing this podcast. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Uh, yeah. Good luck with everything at Honda. I know I'll be seeing you a ton. And um, I gotta say, yeah, loved covering you. Um, you know, loved it when I was a mechanic and, and we raced against you. And then uh, uh, also when uh, covering you as a media guy, it's been it's been great, man. And it's awesome that we're still going to see you around the races and Gothic Jay's happy. So that part is good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, thanks for doing this. And uh, and we'll talk to you soon, Jordy. Well, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate All right. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey.